everybody, welcome to INE Live. I'm your host, Katherine Brown. During the month of October, we are hosting special streams to mark Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Today, we're talking with Mary Galloway, CEO of Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. It's a nonprofit community that focuses on empowering women to succeed in the cybersecurity industry. We'll bring Mary in in just a moment, but first, as we do each time we stream here on INE Live, I want to let you know that we are streaming live across social media platforms right now, including LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social media platform you're using so you can stay in the loop. When we do get live, you'll get pinged. We want you to get involved as always. Talk to us, talk to others. We love to see that. I'm looking at chat right now. Gavin, we see you. Vanessa Teixeira, thanks for joining us. Ravenwing84, we got a lot of folks in joining us today on chat. Keep those questions coming. Our team is monitoring chat. If you have a comment, feel free to drop it in. If you have a question, put a cue at the beginning so we can find those questions easily and get to as many as we can today. And with that, I want to welcome in Mary Galloway to INC. Live. Mary is the CEO and a founding board member for the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. She has more than 12 years of IT experience, the majority of which are in cybersecurity. Mary holds a variety of technical and management certifications, including, catch my breath for this, CISSP, GIAC, CCNA, and far too many more to name. She's a speaker, published author, and winner of the 2019 ISC2 Diversity Award. Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Very excited. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we've been uh, looking, we've been planning this for uh, a number of weeks now, and um, I've really been looking forward to it. I know I've been doing some research and just thinking about all of the um, topics that I wanted to talk to you about. You're so fascinating, and this organization um, is is incredibly fascinating. I wonder if you can just start by by telling us what is Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu, and how did you become a part of it? It's, uh, it's a really interesting story. <laughs> um, so Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu, AKA Cyber Jitsu, um, we are a national nonprofit helping women to get hands-on experience, build um, their networks, uh, and just grow in the cybersecurity space, whether they're entry level, mid-career or senior level. Uh, we help girls do the same thing and expose them to various STEM topics to give them an opportunity to see there's something different out there for them to do. Um, and because cybersecurity is really cool. Uh, I found this organization early on back in 2013. Um, I had taken the CISSP the year prior and I'd failed it by four points. And somebody mm -hmm. said, hey, get a study group. And I was like, eh. I don't like to study with other people, I'm, I'm good. And I did some research, I was like, women in security, let me just see what happens. And yeah, I went to the very first study group and it was like eight of us in the room studying for the CISSP and the energy, the, the, the women that were in there, there were women on the phone. I was just like, wow, this is really, really cool. And I'm still here since 2013. <laughs> wow. Um how, when you first got into that room, right, and you, you started meeting with these other women, um, what would you say was the most powerful thing about that moment and about having this group of women all interested in pursuing something that, um, you know, that maybe isn't, isn't traditionally thought of as a, as a women's career path, right? Um, so at that time, I didn't know there was like an issue, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, my first two jobs, I was still the only female in the in the group, but it didn't really dawn on me that there were probably other women that are in the space that want to learn this stuff. And so going into that space, and it was 
it was, you know, women from all facets of life, black women, Asian women, white women, Hispanic, they were all there to learn and they were all there to help. And I was like, hmm, I like to help people too. And so having that kind of group around, you know, that energy was, it was, it was infectious, I guess you, you could say. And plus Lisa, our founder is pretty dope. She's um, an artist, a soccer player. Um, she was in the military. And so we, she and I really connected and that's what really, you know, really kept me in the space. So um, how, how did, yeah, I know you know this story, how it got its name. How did Cyber Jitsu get its name? Because it's a very interesting name. It's very eye-catching. <laughs> um, and I know there's got to be a great story there. So Lisa is um, Japanese and Black. She was, she was born in Japan. Um, she's also an artist. Um, and she, like I said, she plays soccer. So cyber jitsu is actually literally the art of cyber, right? You have to have the majority of the folks we've met in this space have some sort of artistic background, even if they don't think they do, they have something. And so she wanted to merge her love for art with her love for hacking and cybersecurity and technology. And that's how she came up with that name. Very interesting. Do people ask you about that a lot? All the time. And they all say it wrong all the time. They're like cyber jujitsu, cyber jutsu. I'm like, it's just cyber jitsu. Cyber jitsu. I know the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, how cyber I did the same thing. Cyber jujitsu? Like, wait, what is this? And then the more that I learned about the organization though, the more that it really began to make sense to me. Um, also, I noticed on your um, on your LinkedIn page you describe yourself as a cyber ninja, which I thought is also awesome. <laughs> yeah, that that was you know, I don't even know where that came from. That's been up there for probably like eight years somebody was like you're a ninja and i was like you know what i'm gonna be a cyber ninja and i just stuck it in there and it, it stuck but what's cool about it is i don't know if you guys have seen our new logo so we just sort of started rolling out our new logo and in the logo it's got um, the japanese cherry blossom to represent japan uh -huh. um it's got the the ninja star which is not called a ninja star by the way it's called some it's something else um, but then in the middle of it, it's got this girl that's like in this pose about to, you know, about to fight the bad guys. And so it's really cool to kind of just merge all of that, you know, cyber ninja, cyber badassery, if I can say that on TV, online. Um, <laughs> and one little thing. And so when you see it, it's like, whoa, those women are really, really cool. <laughs> kind of brings together all of the, um, like almost all of the mission statements that you guys, right. all the core values, I guess, um, that you guys have. All right, I, I don't know that I've seen the new logo. I'm gonna have to look it up. Um, that's, that's my homework for right after this. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere on all of our social media. Um, but it really does, it brings together almost 10 years of what this organization embodies and what we've, what we've been able to accomplish in this amount of time and the lives we've impacted and, and the things that have changed for so many women and men, because we have male members as well. Um, and it just kind of puts it into a little cute package and says, hey, here we are. Come find us. <laughs> and a lot of people are finding you, right? I know your organization is growing leaps and bounds, um, tremendously very active on social media, which, which is awesome. Um, can you talk about your, your journey through the organization from just showing up to a study group to becoming the CEO? Um, how did that evolve? How did that happen over the years? So, um, Lisa said to me, I went to, after the study group, I went to uh, one of the workshops we had. It was a reverse, um, malware reverse engineering. That's when I knew I didn't want to do that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. it was like, uh, um, but she said, you know, over the, over the months, we, she and I talked and she was like, she called me up one day and said, hey, 
I wanted to be on the board because at that time we weren't an official nonprofit yet. So it was just an organization that was bringing people together from across the country, not just in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the other cool things about it. Most of our stuff you can do virtually. So I'm living in Vegas and if there's an event in DC or Virginia, I can still participate from here. Right. Um, she hit me up and was like, hey, I like your attitude. I like your, your mindset. You wanna be on my board? And I was like, sure, okay. Not thinking <laughs> anything of it, <laughs> nothing of it. And so, you know, it's a bunch of tech women trying to start this organization to help other women. And it started, you know, we have this board, it's a working board. And then maybe about six years ago, um, we started to separate the board from the executive leadership team, right? Because we wanted the board to stay more of the strategy behind it. And then we have the executive leadership team running the day to day. And I became the COO. So I was doing all this background stuff, everything in the back. All the stuff that you see, the website, the social media, all that stuff. And then Lisa said, it's time for me to step down. And so in 2018, I had to put on my big girl panties and <laughs> take one. Happens <laughs> to all of us at one time or another, right? That moment. Um, that was never my intention, right? But I knew I wanted to push the organization even further. And so that's kind of how I, I came into this role. Um, Plus I had been there from the beginning and I had seen everything that was going on and we had all these ideas and I wanted to take the ideas that Lisa had and actually implement some of those ideas. And so I stepped into this role. It's been difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm a, I'm a doer, I'm a behind the scenes person and trying to be in the forefront and do all of this stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, um, but it's been an interesting journey. I've learned a lot about my leadership style. I've learned a lot about how to build my network, how to talk to people, how to get money from folks, like mm-hmm. being in a role like this and it's volunteer. So um, I do have a day job. <laughs> right, yes you do. I work for a large company um, and it's a great company, but it's been really great because I do like to volunteer and I do like to um, help others reach their potential and figure out what it is that they want to do in their careers and their lives. And so that's kind of that journey to this point today. What would you say is um, is the most rewarding part about being in your role in particular, as well as just being involved very intimately in this organization? Being able to see folks go from where they where they are to where they want to be, um, and like you said, I work very intimately. I'm really close to a lot of our volunteers, a lot of our a lot of our members, and so I get to see their journey from first coming into the organization to running programs, to creating ideas, to leading chapters, to joining our you know executive leadership team, to joining our board. Um, a number of our, our membership relations um, director, she's she was the founder of the Atlanta chapter and she had this desire to wanna to lead organizations and, and help other women. And so I saw that and I was like, all right, let's see how we can help her get there. And I just watched her grow over the last couple of years to that role. Um, our director of education, our chief of education, you know, she was helping out with webinars and making sure that we had the resources and things like that. And to see, you know, her ideas and her, her progression in that role, and then to get to the director of education and see her starting to excel in that. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, I think the last couple of years, we've had some of the best groups of volunteers across the board. Um, and just watching them flourish, watching those women and there's a couple of guys in that mix just like coming to their own has been i think the most rewarding 
That's awesome to hear. Uh, and you can see, you can tell um, just talking to you and listening to you, the, the passion and the energy that you bring. Um, I would say your energy is infectious. I know the first time that we talked a few weeks ago, I left that conversation just like grinning because you just have the most infectious, positive, energetic personality. And um, I'm sure that is part of what is, uh, is continuing to make Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu or just Cyber Jitsu. <laughs> just amazing, right? Um, I do want to get to some audience questions because um, we have some questions coming in from people who are watching on social media. So um, I was going to get to this one at the end, but I actually think now is a great time to get to it. This is from Cyber Lola. Thanks for the question. Thanks for watching. And she writes, I think Women's Cyber Jitsu is an amazing organization. You are correct there. How can people get involved in it? Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there's lots of ways to get involved um, from volunteering to run programs to um, individual events. We have a couple of events coming up. We need volunteers for working at conferences um, to teaching. So a lot of our workshops that we do um, and we didn't talk about this, but our big thing is hands on technical training. And so we do a lot of different mm -hmm. types of workshops. And so needing teachers to come in and provide that hands on training to the women so that they can take that those skills and apply them you know, the very next day at work, at home, at school is really, really important to us. And so we're always looking for instructors um, for the technical stuff and the non-technical stuff, the core skills, the resume writing, um, interviewing, recruiting, how to talk to executives. So if you can do that kind of stuff, that's great. Um, funding, we always need funding. We are a, you know, nonprofit. And so in the nonprofit space, we're always looking for funding so that we can bring in staff and so that we can provide more resources to our members and and um, and then helping with building strategy and helping build out additional programs. We have a couple of things coming up um, for 2022. So there's opportunities there for individuals and organizations to contribute and help train the next generation of cyber professionals, cyber leadership um, and help empower these women to to be awesome. All right. So just a couple ways to get involved, right? Just a few. Yeah, just, just, just to, I mean, yeah, we can have that conversation. <laughs> no, plenty of ways to get involved. Um, it sounds like you guys are, are doing amazing things and I are going to continue just um, growing. I want to veer off, off script just a little because I'm so fascinated by your tattoo and you're such an interesting person that I want to know <laughs> what that means because um, I feel um, like it's got to have some <laughs> kind of great meaning. So it's actually a, a half sleeve start. So this is actually... And I probably I don't want to say this out loud because it's kind of it's kind of cheesy, but I'm a big Mariah Carey fan. Um, I can support so that. This is actually totally one that. of the one of her song lyrics that goes up and over my shoulder, and then back into the one that's on my back. There's like butterflies in it, and then on the back end of it, I have some latitude, longitude for like different places that I've lived that me and my husband have been to together, um, and then on the arm and this is probably on some other thing there's like a big face of this chick with this afro with butterflies and puzzle pieces and so i'm big on butterflies i love to build puzzles i have a big uh, millennium falcon behind me legos oh. uh, love it love it love it so it's kind of like a conglomerate of all of the things that are me and i used to play the clarinet so that's why i have this one on this side <laughs> nice I, yeah i couldn't tell what that was it looked like another one but yeah that's you know, I, I know that was a personal question, but I, I love it. I just, you're a fascinating person and I'm just looking at that and I'm like, that's gotta have a cool story behind it. That's, you know, that's gotta be something. Yeah. That's really awesome. I love that you, you're, you're so authentic and embracing, you know, just everything that you stand for, which I just think is so cool. 
Awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to finish it with um, some like flowers. And so I have hummingbirds in the backyard. So we have a hummingbird feeder. They have names. We have um, Prince and Stuart. And what's the female's name? I think her name is Princess. Somebody else named her. But they come and hang out in the backyard. And so it's just kind of like this cool, calming thing that's back there. So there's going to be a hummingbird on here soon, too. <laughs> are you uh, are you trying to bring them into the cyber fold as well? Or are you just going to let them do their thing? You know what? If I can, I might. <laughs> they can be quick with their beaks, you know. Right. <laughs> they can probably catch the folks trying to do the ransomware attacks or whatever. You know? <laughs> right. Be very covert. Very covert. Right. Um, all right. Cool. I have another question. This is coming in from Crystal on um, YouTube. What is the most rewarding part of your being with your nonprofit. And I know we talked specifically um, just a moment ago about that, but as far as um, you know, your particular journey and, and what you see being a part of a nonprofit, what do you find so rewarding? Helping people. So my thing has always been, so I've always been a volunteer, um, even as, you know, in high school and middle school, I've always, always just done volunteer work. Um, and being able to help somebody that doesn't have what I have, I think is the most rewarding. Um, nonprofit work in general can be very rewarding. Sometimes it's really difficult, but the fact that I'm able to impact somebody's life and be able to help change their trajectory or to just show them some opportunities that they may have never had before, um, that's probably the most rewarding. Um, second to that is the stuff you can learn from working in a nonprofit. So if you want to ever run an organization, um, open your own business, um, any of that stuff, nonprofit work, while it is demanding, is super helpful with that. Uh, and I say that because I have I have a side business as well. And I'm going through all these different trainings and I'm just like, oh, wait, I already know how to do this stuff. Oh, wait, I already know how to do this. I already know how to do the marketing. I know how to you know build the business plan and and do all of these things that a business owner, a leader in cybersecurity and tech would need to know how to do. And so it gives you those extra skills that you're looking for. Um, and if your goal is to move into more leadership, more management, run your own business, it's a great place to get started. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit now and talk about some, some trends, some things that you've noticed within the cyber industry, specifically as it relates to women. Um, because there is a need for more women to be in cybersecurity, right? There is a, a lack of that diversity. Um, what do you think is the biggest reason for that? And what's the biggest thing we need to fix it? It's a loaded question. So, I, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Just, just solve the whole um, problem, okay? Just, uh, <laughs> uh, so what, what's interesting is women were in tech a long time ago, right? So when, when the guys went off to war, women had to come in and, and manage all of those, those the mainframes and the, the, the signals and all of that stuff, right, in the past. And so it's not like we weren't in the space before. Um, but I think was once that transition happened, um, it was, all right, women, go back into your home role, right? Go back and take care of the family and the, and the house while the guys go and, and work in the space. Um, and so I think that mentality for a long time trickled down through the years. So there were still women that would come in, they'd be far, you know, one here, one there, a couple here, a couple there. Um, but that mentality that women shouldn't be in the working space, shouldn't be in the technical roles, um, 
they don't have the aptitude trickled down. And that's starting to change. And as you can see that because there's a number of organizations that have come up, um, a number of, of companies are um, putting forth efforts to bring more women into their organizations and into the space. Um, but it's not enough, right? You have to change the behavior and the mindset of the folks that are running the organizations. If you look at you look at boards of some of the biggest companies, I'm not going to call anybody out. It's still typically all male, and they have the one woman to fill a quota. Okay, cool. But what are you actually doing? Are you actually letting that woman bring her ideas to the table? Are you actually letting her have a say or have an, a voice in that conversation? Um, we've got over 3,400 members in our organization, so that tells me that there's women that want to be in cybersecurity. So the excuse of they're not interested it can no longer be used. Um, the way we fix this going forward and to continue fixing this is reaching, this reaching the people at a younger age, showing them in elementary, middle school, high school, hey, you don't have to do what you've traditionally seen being done. There's another opportunity, there's another place for you to utilize your skills. And then giving them the opportunities to actually utilize those skills. Uh, but it takes it takes all of us to it takes all of us to make that shift and to continue to make that shift. And I think we're making it um, because we start to see laws like in California where you have to have, you know, a certain number of board members that are, that are women, but let's take it a little bit further from that. Let's actually have their seat at the table and have the conversation and listen to what they have to say. I think it's so great that you point out that distinction uh, between just having diversity as part of the group and actually embracing uh, the ideas and the things mm -hmm. that that those people bring to the table, um, because th those are two different things. And um, right. you know, it's it's a it's a thin line, but it's a very distinct line. And getting to that point, um, I think, is an ongoing challenge. Um, mm -hmm. As I want to go back to something you said earlier, you said that when you were first in the cyberspace, you didn't really realize that it was a, an issue, right? Like you were the only woman, but you didn't really necessarily think okay this is this is like a bigger issue were there looking back on that time now kind of knowing what you know now and having the experiences that you have um have had what were some of the biggest challenges that you can see related to you know you being a female in the cyberspace so my very first job i worked for um, a government agency um nga out in the DC area and I was on the tech team. So when I say I didn't see a lot of women, it was on the technical side. So in that same organization, there was a lot of women um, that were like in policy or in governance and risk on, on that side of things, but they weren't on the technical hands-on configuring stuff. Um, in my very first job, it was, it was a challenge because I was new, right? Um, I had aced the interview, but I had never had any work experience in tech and I could never get any kind of support. I couldn't get any, they wouldn't let me run cables. They wouldn't let me do anything as, as it pertained to the technical side of things. And I like to be hands-on. I like to get in there. Um, and that was a really big challenge. You know, I asked for training and it was like, no, we can't send you to training. It's like, what am I supposed to do? And what they did was my boss was like, Hey, go be the secretary, basically. He said, capture everything that everybody's doing and then come to report this to us at our meetings. And I was just like, I don't wanna be the secretary. I wanna be this role. Um, and so I almost quit. 
I almost left technology in general and was going to go to like business or something. I don't know what I was going to go to, but I wasn't going to do tech and cyber anymore. And um, I started to realize that, you know what, maybe this is a learning experience for me. You want me to go and talk to these folks about what they're working on and get the details of their projects. Maybe this is a way for me to gain some additional experience. And so I kind of took that um, and ran with it, got to run some programs, but it was challenging, right? Because not only was I the only woman, I was the only minority on my team too. Hmm. And I recognized it, but I didn't know that it was an issue. I didn't know that there weren't very many of us women in general in the space because I hadn't seen it yet. Um, and it wasn't until I went to Cyber Jitsu and started going to the workshops and the trains that I realized there's a lot of women that want to be in this space. There's a, there's a, there's a, a thing we can fix right now. We can bring all of these women and more into this space so that nobody else feels alone in the space. I want to pull on the thread of one of the, something you mentioned there. Um, and it's that sort of wall that you found yourself up against where you almost said, no, I'm done thrown in the towel. Um, for women who are at that point, what advice do you give them? Don't throw in the towel. It gets, trust me, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, with the government space, it's a little bit different um, than the private sector from what I've seen so far. Um, but if you're in a situation where you feel like you want to leave, you want to jump ship, it's not for you, um, don't leave. Find somebody that you can talk to. Find a, uh, not necessarily a mentor, but just a friend that you can talk to and have this conversation with and say, hey, these are the issues that I'm seeing, this is what I'm having, and, and talk through a plan of action to move from where you're at to where you want to be. Um, I'm a proponent for if you're, if you're not happy at the job that you're at, to go ahead and go someplace else. I was a GS-13 for almost two years and I was not happy uh, where I was at. And so I said, you know what, I'm gonna leave the DC area and I'm gonna move to Las Vegas and work for the private sector. And it was probably the best thing I ever did, right? Um, so that's the other part of it. If you're not happy where you're at, go someplace else. And don't be afraid to take that risk. If, if it's within your ability to take that risk, take that risk. Um, because there's so many opportunities out here. There's so many places where you can go that will appreciate your ideas, that will that will embrace your ideas, that that will say, hey, we want to help you grow and expand and build. Um, there's no reason for anybody to leave the industry. Is that part of where you guys come in, where Cyber Jitsu steps in and is able to, to sort of be that support pillar yep. for people? Yep. That's exactly, you know, we have a really robust Slack uh, community that, you know, people from all over the world are in, they're communicating, they're talking, they're encouraging each other, they're, they're helping with providing other resources, other training, um, informal mentorship, because I believe in informal mentorship versus like that forced, mm. where I, like, I have to talk to you, but I don't really like you kind of conversation. <laughs> Those are never fun conversations. <laughs> Those are never fun conversations. Um, but that's what we provide for, we're, we're a cyber jitsu tribe, right? We're the tribe of women and men that are gonna help you be successful. We're gonna, we're gonna have your back if you need us. You know, we've, there was one girl who, um, she posted something and was like, you know, I went on this interview for this job and the guy was like mansplaining to me that I wouldn't be good enough and that I shouldn't talk about this. And then he told me about this. I was just like, wow. I said, don't quit. Just don't go to that company anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. There's other places that will 
embrace your experience and your skills that will appreciate who you are. And so, um, and everybody else started chiming in like, yeah, you know, here's some opportunities for you. And if you want to, you know, come talk to me, if you want to go here, if you want to do this, and that's what we need, right? That's what people in the space in general, I think need, whether you're a woman, a minority, somebody with disabilities, um, they just want to feel like they're part of the team and feel like they have the support when something goes wrong. Yeah, so how do you keep that positivity going? How do you keep that optimism? Because, you know, <laughs> um, you're trying to support everyone, right? But at the same time, you and the, and the other women, even, even, you know, people, women and men who have been in the space for, for years are still running into challenges of your own. So how do you keep that optimism flowing down the ranks and keep it sort of this, uh, you know, this cyclical process? So <laughs> one wine. <laughs> wine. <laughs> I knew I liked I'm, you. I'm a winemaker and we, we, we drink a lot of red wine out here. Um, wine. And then I, a lot of times I take that energy and I use it to propel me into what I want to do. Right. It, 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 at the end of the day, it's up to you as the individual to determine what your future holds. No one else can do that, no matter if they're telling you you're not worth it or if they're telling you you're great. At the end of the day, it's up to you. Um, and so if you want to stay in that space, if you want to stay in that mindset, then, yeah, you stay there and you won't progress. But at some point you have to say, OK, look, let me take this into my own hands. Let me figure out what it is that I need to do to get out of where I'm at and move to that next level, whether that's talking to people, whether that's going to workshops, whether that's listening to you know, lives like this, um, whether it's, you know, starting your own organization, you yourself are responsible for how you react and how you handle what's going on. And that responsibility, um, you know, I, I love to think of that not as as a burden, um, but as right. an opportunity of empowerment, right? Yeah. Um, I know that's how I think of it when, when I think of, you know, meeting challenges and I love that story you were telling about how you didn't want to be a secretary and then you thought you know maybe maybe there's some way that I can reframe this and learn from it and mm -hmm. and figure out a way to make this work for me I think that there is a responsibility um, right. on people to do that to dig down deep right and and become their best selves yeah it's uh, and I've seen it over the last few years it's a there's been a shift in folks that want to get in the space thinking that somebody else is going to just hand them mm -hmm. this. And that's not how this works. Yeah. Right. Unless you're, I hate to say it like super wealthy and super whatever, that doesn't work like that. Right. Mm -hmm. For the rest of us, we have to put in the work and, and we can't solely rely on somebody else to, to do it for us. We have to take that initiative. Um, otherwise we're just going to stay where we're at. And if that's where you want to be, that's fine. Right. But if you have desires and goals to be something greater than what you are now, you have to take those steps first and then everything else will start to fall into place. And, you know, I said to myself a couple of years ago, I want to do more public speaking and I put it out there in the atmosphere and I put it in my little roadmap that I built and COVID happened. <laughs> And <laughs> I've been speaking for the last two years on all kinds of stuff. But I, I knew that I wanted to do that. And I put the pieces in motion to get to that point. And then everything else started to fall into place for, hey, 
come do this with us. Hey, I want you to do X, Y, Z. Hey, I want you to write this. I want you to do that. It's up to us to start that ball down that hill and then everything else will fall in. Yeah. And attitude, you know, I think is, is a huge part yeah. of it, right? Having that attitude of, um, you know, being assertive and being, you know, putting yourself out there, putting yourself in a vulnerable mm-hmm. position, um, you know, to, to, to be able- like this. Like, I wasn't always like this. I will say that. What do you <laughs> I wasn't mean? very assertive back then. No, I was kind of a, and I don't think I'm that assertive now, but I was kind of a, a shy, because I'm sort of introverted. People don't know that. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't like to speak. I didn't like to go and network with people. But I knew that if I wanted to move my career, I had to. So I kind of had to say, bump it, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Force yourself <laughs> out of that comfort zone. Right. Right. It's 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 the only way to grow, um, I think. All right. um, So a lot of people, you know, pen testing is like up there as as everybody wants to get into pen testing. Right. Um, I want to specifically examine outside pen testing. Um, Okay. Are there some cyber trends outside pen testing that women could look into uh, maybe to pursue that they may not be aware of? Yes. So. Another fun fact, I wanted to be a hacker (laughs) when I came in. (laughs) Didn't quite work out that way, but um, yeah. So there's tons of different things women can do in this space. Um, A lot of, and what I've seen lately is a lot of folks wanting to go into the governance and risk um, and compliance space. That's an area that's really growing. They really need a lot of smart people that understand the different the different compliance regulations like PCI and HIPAA and and um, I, ISO 27001 and NIST and all those different things because all of these organizations need to have these compliance rules in place. Um, so that's one place where I see and a lot of folks have come to me and said, hey, how do I go into this this area because I really have a desire for this. And if you're a career changer, you know, and you came from an organization where you were working on managing risk, whether it's cybersecurity or not, that's a great place for you to transition into. Um, the other part is incident response and digital forensics. Um, where attacks are going up. They're not going to ever go down unless we just like disconnect everything from the internet and call it a day. Um, so understanding how to respond to incidents quickly um, and threat intel and that side of things is a really good place as well, especially if you like to do investigations and you like to dig and you like to search and like to research. That's also a really good good place to be. I've got a couple of friends that are security researchers and they love it. Um, they get to they get to explore and they get to tinker. And all the women that I know like to explore and tinker. So that's obviously um, another great place for, for women to explore. And then um, sales. So this is an interesting side of things, sales engineering. Um, it's a little bit of sales, but you still have to be a little bit technical. Um, but you're actually helping organizations understand their security posture and see how your product or tool or service fits into that space, right? So now you have to know networking and um, how systems work together and how packets move across the environment. Um, and there's an uptick in need people needing sales engineers because a lot of companies are coming into the space. And so if you can get into one of those kind of roles, one, it's lucrative. Um, and two, you get to talk to a lot of people. So it helps you build your network. 
it helps you build your public speaking skills. It helps you build your presentation skills. And a lot of women are really good at that stuff. So that's another great area to go into, I think, for women that we don't really think about. Yeah, I don't think I would have necessarily considered sales. Um, that's yeah. interesting that you bring that up um, because as you're talking, I'm like, oh, that that, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's it's not obvious. It's not an obvious path because to go on. Because people think it's just selling. Mm-hmm. So you don't actually have to do, because I've thought about going this route before too. You don't have to actually go out and like get the customer and sell it. You work with the sales team, but you're the, mm-hmm. the technical person on the sales team that's helping the customer or potential customers see how your product's going to fit into their space. So you have to know it. Right. And I, I love technology and I love to dig into technology and tools and, and being able to explain that to them um, and understand how this can provide better security or better threat Intel is they need people. So how then can organizations bring that awareness that there's, there's more than just pen testing. There are these other sides that are very, um, you know, lucrative to your point that are very interesting. How can organizations bring that awareness to the forefront, particularly as it relates to recruiting women and minorities? Partner with us. <laughs> <laughs> Easy answer. Um, no, so for real, um, you have to you have to present the opportunity for for women for anybody to see that this is an opportunity for them. Um, that may mean you have to go to different locations to advertise the roles that you have. That may mean having webinars and working with different nonprofits to bring that awareness to the forefront. Um, there's a lot of pen testers out there and there's a lot of pen testing roles, but a lot of companies, a lot of organizations don't even need pen testing necessarily. And I just wrote about this in the, um, the 97 things um, InfoSec professionals should know book. Pen testing on the CIS benchmark list is like number 20. Hmm. Most organizations can't even get to get to number five, right? Um, so they don't even have an asset management plan. They don't even have, you know, what software, what people, all they don't even have that stuff down. So there's no way they're going to do a pen test in their organization. And so, yes, I love our pen testers, but organizations need to advertise that, hey, there's some fun stuff here. Um, and if they can't, they should work with, you know, us and the other organizations that are out there to bring that awareness to their members and have those conversations and say, hey, here's what you do. We do a day in the life series um, monthly where somebody comes in from a different part, like a SOC analyst, threat intel, um, we have a sales engineering one coming up and they talk about what their work looks like and what that means. And so just having that exposure um, and bringing those opportunities is what's going to help drive the desire to do some other things if you don't want to do pen testing. As, we're, uh, as you're kind of unpacking that answer, great question coming in from Crystal, who's watching on YouTube. How can men be allies for women in cybersecurity? Support them, mentor them. Um, and a lot of my mentors are guys um, because they're in positions that I want to get to. Um, show up for them. So if, if you're in a meeting and you, and this, and a woman in the meeting is, you know, putting her idea out there on the table, nobody's listening, make them listen, right? If, if she has the idea and then somebody else says the same thing, speak up and say something, right? Um, it's all about, it can't just be about self anymore. You have to speak up for what's right. Um, and for those that are around you and then 
you know, if you see somebody that's struggling, that, you know, may need some assistance, that may need some help, reach out and help them. Or at least reach out and ask, hey, how can I help you? How can I be of assistance? What do you need? Um, I have a guy friend that hit me up and um, he said, hey, I need some advice on how to coach one of my junior analysts because she's she's not really doing things the right way um, or she's doing things differently that don't really work. But I don't want to say anything that's going to come off defensive. Right. Asking the question of how to approach the situation is is powerful. And then asking the woman that you're working with, is everything good, is even more powerful. Because for her, at least for me, I don't know if this is for everybody, but if you ask me how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, um, I know that you're taking a genuine interest in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Just being there, showing up, right? Showing up, yeah. Hmm. And having our back, you know? It's, we're, we, we do a lot of things as women in general and Sometimes we just need that support. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't always have that support at home. So we need it from, if we're going to be at work, because we're with our, our coworkers, what, eight, nine, 10 hours a day sometimes when we were mm -hmm. working in person. So it's like, let, let's support each other, show that support. Yeah. What, um, this is from Britt, who's watching on YouTube. What advice would you give to women uh, who are trying to break into the cybersecurity space? So one piece of key advice, best advice. Don't take no as an answer because <laughs> you're going to hear no. You're, you're, you're definitely going to hear no. Um, if somebody says no, keep trying, keep, keep knocking on that door. And I know, I know who Britt is too. So <laughs> thanks for watching Britt. Um, but yeah, don't take no for an answer. Um, is it hard to get in? Possibly. Do you need a bunch of certifications? Maybe, but it depends on, you know, what type of job you're going for, where you're trying to go for. Um, but you're going to hear no. I heard no all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when I was applying for this job, I had applied for a number of different jobs before I got the one that I'm in now. And they were like, no, no, no. It's like, wait, but don't take no as an answer. And if somebody says no, move on to the next piece. So I, you know, up your skills, figure out what skills you have network. I always recommend LinkedIn to everybody. Like, Hey, if you have a goal role that you want to go for, go find those people on LinkedIn and talk to them and say, Hey, what is it like in this role? What, what does it take to get into this space? How can we be, you know, friends? How can we connect? How can we continue to work together so I can get into the space? Um, the other thing, the nice cybersecurity framework. So if you're transitioning from another career, or if you have skills already, you can go to that nice cybersecurity framework website, type in the skills you're interested in, and start to look at what work roles and what tasks and what education and experience may be required for a work role like that. Um, and that can start, you can use that to start building your roadmap into the cybersecurity space um, going forward. But yeah, the main thing is don't take no for an answer because somebody's gonna always tell you no, but there's always gonna be somebody that's gonna tell you yes. And just before this stream started, you and I were uh, just doing tech checks and audio checks and we were talking about you know, the importance of being able to adapt right? Um, when somebody tells you no, because they will, um, mm -hmm. figure out a way to, to make it work for you, right? Like, we, like you did with the, uh, the, the secretary anecdote you were saying, you know, fi figure out a way to make it work for you. Yep. And, and if, you, if you can't figure it out by yourself, reach out to someone that can, or a group of folks that can, mm -hmm. that comes with work, you know, being in nonprofits, going to conferences and just meeting people. Um, 
you can't be you can't be scared though that's the thing you have to talk to somebody you have to talk to people um getting out of that comfort zone to jump into this and you got to have thick skin i've i've seen that across the board cybersecurity the people in this industry can be brutal but you got to have thick skin because your skills your knowledge your education your your experiences are so needed in this space how do you develop that say you're someone coming in um you know, and and you know you're you don't have particularly thick skin or you don't have those um, inherent networking skills, or you're not particularly assertive, but you know, this is something that you want to pursue. Um, how can someone coming in overcome some of those challenges, um, to, to, to grow that thick skin, to become more assertive? Um, you know, how, how do you do it? So I'm trying to think back. It takes a little bit of time or it can take some time. Um, but the first step, is finding a community that you resonate with um whether it's whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a meetup group um, once you start to find those groups that you resonate with you start to get a little bit more comfortable and then you start to be able to talk to folks and because you'll start to learn okay somebody has similar interests as me so let me go and talk to these people and it doesn't even have to be in cybersecurity, right they could have similar interests in movies or traveling or you know, favorite drinks or whatever. Um, but you start to find those common commonalities and that makes it a little bit less difficult to start having those conversations, right? Um, and you have to be open to trying to make those com uh, those connections. If you're not open, you just wanna get in, then it's gonna be a, a lot harder. But if you're open to at least trying, um, I think that's the first step outside of finding a community. Like I said, meetup.com has tons. I'm on a number of different um, groups on meetup that are cyber related that aren't cyber related. But the cool thing about the ones that aren't cyber related is that there's other folks in cyber in those groups as well. Hmm. And those folks have connections to people that can help you break in and get into the space as well. And so there's connections everywhere. Cybersecurity is everywhere. Every organization in the world needs cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you, uh, this question coming in from YouTube, I think it's a great question. What do you say to women who don't feel like they can be their authentic selves at work? That's a good question. Great question. Um, that's a hard one <laughs> <laughs> um, because we know that it's, that it's the case. Um, yeah, F find an ally at work that can help you be, that can help you be, <laughs> that, help you be that way. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely worked in some organizations where, you know, I couldn't wear my hair natural because it wasn't seen as professional. Um, and so I would either wear it straight or I'd wear wigs and things like that. Um, and then I got over it. <laughs> I think one person said to me, and this was when I was at Fort, uh, Fort Benning or no Fort Bragg. He said to me, why don't you just wear your natural hair? It looks really nice. And I was just like, yeah, but he's like, no, trust me. And I think that was probably like, 2009, no, 2011 or 12. Um, and that's when it kind of clicked for me. But had it had he not said anything, because he was a manager, he was a boss. Um, and I, it was in my mind, it was always like, oh, I can't do this, I can't be this. Um, but that's when it clicked for me to, hey, just be you. 
right? Um, I like to be fashionable when I go to work. And, you know, that's one thing that I would always do, but it would always come across as, oh, she's not going to do the hard work. And now for me, that was me being authentic and me being who I was. Um, but I think finding an ally um, that can help talk with you about that and work through some of those those issues, a lot of times it's, it's all in our head. Sometimes it's not. Um, and again, if you're working in an organization where you feel you can't be your authentic self, or you've been told that you have to tone it down or change or do X, Y, Z, that might not be the place for you to work. Be open to that, right? Um, yeah, I think that I think that's absolutely great advice. It's a, as you said, it's a very difficult question. Um, yeah. You know, across organizations, I think any organization, any company, any group of women you find, you're going to find uh, people who who just find it very difficult to be their authentic selves, particularly mm -hmm. in a formal workplace setting. Um, you know, so I, I think that's some great advice. I uh, want to get to a question. This is from, and I love the name, Crash Tech, Crash Jump Tech <laughs> Tips. <laughs> uh, watching on YouTube, asking about how you can improve leadership skills in cybersecurity. I know you had a, a, an interesting path through um, cyber jitsu in, in terms of de developing those leadership skills, but how can others develop leadership skills? within the industry. So the first thing I always like to tell folks is um, build a roadmap, right? So if you have a, if you have a goal to get to a leadership role, whatever that is, a CISO, a senior VP, whatever, build a roadmap of what you, what you need to get there. To do that, you have to go on different websites and look at, okay, what are the job requirements saying? What are folks that are in those positions? What does their track look like? Um, and then I like to do a lot of volunteer work. So if you're in the volunteer sector, if you like to volunteer, start running for offices in those organizations. So like ISSA and ISACA and ISC Square, they all have uh, local chapters pretty much everywhere. Start volunteering in leadership roles there, okay? Because again, you're gonna get the skills that you need as far as the leadership side from doing that. Um, and it's a great resume booster, I'm not gonna lie. It looks great on the resume. Um, the other part about it is you have to, inside of your organization, if you have a desire to go down the leadership path and the management path, talk to your boss and say, hey, I have this desire, I have this goal, and start building out a plan at work of what you can do um, to go down that path, right? When I was working at the casino, the first thing I told then when I was getting hired, I said, hey, I want to be a CISO. And so that somehow got back to the CISO because he wasn't my boss. And they started to help me develop those skills. I moved from engineering to architecture um, so that I could start working on understanding that entire infrastructure and the ecosystem and how the tools and applications and stuff fit in. Um, but you have to put it out there. You have to make it known to somebody that you're interested in moving into leadership and then that'll start to the ball down that path of all right here here's a project go manage the team do blah 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 whatever it is um, that'll start to help you develop those skills and don't be afraid to take those stretch assignments um if it's at work because those definitely look good on your they look good on your resume they look good to your bosses they look good across the board uh, and you have Again, you have to be open to wanting to learn more. Um, but definitely, definitely, I say volunteering is a big, big way, a big proponent. And it's outside of your 
your regular job and your your team sees that. So if you have it in your community, go for it. I have always found uh, throughout my career and, and what I've noticed with others, people are overwhelmingly willing to help other yes. people, right? Yep. Um, I know when I was coming up the ranks in my career, I, I was always surprised when I reached out to people, and it's, it's not easy to do, right? To just, to just cold email someone or reach out to them on LinkedIn and you're like, oh my God, what if I look like an idiot? Or you know, it, It's very difficult to do, um, but I have always been surprised by the number of people who have responded to a cold mm -hmm. reach out with, yeah, I'm happy to help. Um, and I know in my career, I, I always pass that forward. Like when people reach out to yeah. me on LinkedIn, same deal. I'm like, yes, absolutely. People helped me. I am happy to help. Um, how do you think, I guess, what do you think the burden is on particularly women who are at those ranks in, who are, at, who are successful in cybersecurity? What do you think the burden and the responsibility is on them to reach down and pull others up? I definitely feel like it's our responsibility to do that, right? Um, we didn't, while we may have gotten to a position where we're at, um, we think by ourselves without any help, somebody helped you get there. Um, whether it was, you know, one or two conversations, excuse me, with somebody or full blown on mentorship, you didn't get there alone. Um, and if we wanna see more diversity in those upper ranks, we have to be willing again, even if it's just for 30 minutes to go down and say, hey, you know, if they reach out to you, say, hey, all right, let's have this conversation. What is it that you need? Um, here's how I can help you, right? Um, you can do these resources, you can talk to these people, but we at least have to make an effort if somebody reaches out and says, hey, I, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z, I have this issue. This is where I need some assistance. Could we get on your schedule to do a conversation? Those emails that say, hey, I need a mentor or, hey, can you help me? Those don't work. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and nobody, and nobody's going to respond to that. Um, so yes, it's on us to reach back down and at least help one because somebody helped us. Uh, but it's also the responsibility of the person asking for the help to ask what help they need. That is such great advice. I, I, I love that advice. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. That is fantastic. Uh, Mary, is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap this up about um, CyberJitsu, about how people can get involved, um, about where people can buy your books, anything at all? <laughs> um, yes. So next week we have our eighth annual um, CyberJitsu Awards on Thursday, keynoted by Ann, um, Ann Johnson from Microsoft. Um, so visit our website, womenscyberjitsu.org to register for that. We also have a number of workshops coming up this weekend um, uh, and next week, plus a lot of cool things coming up next year that we'd love to have um, help with and have you participate in as far as like trainings and boot camps and mentorship. Um, you can buy the 97 Things book off of the O'Reilly website as well as the Amazon website. Um, and if you want to be a speaker, a volunteer, a teacher, uh, any of that good stuff, let me know. I'm happy to put you in touch with the right people and get you on a webinar or a training or whatever. Love to have all of you in. Um, and if you know a Cyber Jitsu Tribe member, shout them out. Say, hey, I love what you guys are doing. And just, just embrace everybody. <laughs> awesome. The amazing Mary Galloway. Thank you so much for joining us today. What a treat for me uh, to be able to spend an hour with you. I really appreciate it. 
I'm happy to spend time with you too. I loved it. <laughs> awesome. All right, we will make this happen again. Mary, thank you so much. That wraps up today's stream. If you missed it live, be sure to look for the replay across our social media channels as well as on the INE website. And you may have heard some rumblings about a very exciting announcement this week that INE and Pentester Academy are joining forces. We are hosting a special stream to talk about that tomorrow. That's Friday, October 22nd at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. INE's Chief Content Officer Neil Bridges will be here along with Chief Marketing Officer Scott Cedarbaum and the founder of Pentester Academy, Vivek Ramachandran. They'll be talking about the future of cybersecurity education, how INE experts to, uh, expects to expand labs into cloud computing and other IT fields. They'll be taking your questions as well. So if you have questions, get those locked and loaded. Show up tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern time for that stream. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social media platform you're using so you can stay in the loop when we do go live. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Until then, have a great week.